people just like you have taken the brave step to do this thing we call work differently. They tell their self-unlimited story to inspire and encourage you. Another story begins now. Today, it's my great pleasure to be speaking with my mate, Vincenzo. Welcome, Vincenzo. Hi, Helen. Uh, Thank you for having me today. Today is going to be a conversation about relationships and building relationships with a group of people outside a particular organization. So Vincenzo and I are people who have not yet had the privilege of breathing the same air, is what I say. I mean, people might say, you know, in person, in real life. And I think, no, no, we're in person and video conversations and we're in real life. But to get us started, Vincenzo, I'll just give a little bit of context for our listeners about how we came to know each other and what this context was. So there was actually four people who could be in this conversation, myself, Vincenzo, um, a woman named Bronte and a guy named Jules. And Bronte works for an overseas organization, a large organization, and she had a potential project, job opportunity that might have been of interest to me, Vincenzo and Jules. And she reached out to us and said, hey, guys, would you think about applying for this? And we were like, too right, would we? It was going to be overseas. It was global, had lots of interesting possibilities. And going through this recruitment-like process of exploring particularly just to give some further context the pandemic was happening we weren't sure is it going to happen how quickly is it going to happen will we get across borders and so there was a point where we thought hey we're going to be like a team and we started even jokingly referring to ourselves as the dream team and at that point i didn't know vincenzo except he was a guy on the email vincenzo didn't know jules i knew bronte and i remember saying do you remember this vincenzo i said why don't we jump on a call and talk with each other and get to know each other and we could even pretend that we are this team and start sharing some things with each other so that we're building that team stuff before we even get to this overseas country do you remember that yes yes ellen i remember um precisely what are you recalling and while you were saying stuff that even further thoughts were coming to my mind that not necessarily are connected with what we uh, we're discussing here, but just it's so interesting and so fascinating how strong is the relationship that we have developed, not even meeting each other. Yes. So <laughs> we have, this is a testament to the remote opportunity, remote learning or remote work um, way of working and the virtual world that we stepped in, yes. which is not really preventing people to develop meaningful and big relationship. That's a really good point. I do remember somebody um, reading that when the telephone first came out, people thought that would be the end of social relationships because you would no longer have to go to somebody's house to talk to them. And, you know, here we are many hundreds, well, hundred or so years after the telephone was invented and people think, how crazy. But yeah, the same thing, I think people thought, ah, oh, video calls, you can't get to know people or have a meaningful relationship. And I think you and I are exhibit A of what poppycock. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So yeah, very, very interesting. And um, as you can see, we, we, we keep thinking that, that that's probably the, one of the side that helped us to keep our relationship and continue with the group because the fact that we can always think through what we're doing and reflect on what we're doing that's probably a common trait of the four of us yeah Um, i think so we're not just for people that let life pass through so we kind of reflect on things that happen to us and trying always to make connection and trying to explain the reason why things happen. That's the com- one of the com- another things that now uh, popping, mm. is popping up in my mind. Yeah. Um, what do you think? <laughs> I, I do. There's something about some people might think, oh, are you people who are just thinkers and reflectors? And I think there's something even more about that, that we are four people who were fascinated by other humans and what humans do and why humans do the way they are. And, and there's it's maybe an innate curiosity. Now, of course, the kind of work that we thought we would be doing would be in the change management space, which for some people listening to this 
conversation wouldn't necessarily know what change management is but change management's meant to be the very people-centric helping people through the changing process and as part of some of the conversations that we even had maybe they were even philosophical in nature was how that many change management things actually don't even pay attention to the people thing so i think we were actually bound together by quite a strong common belief system of this um it almost would feel maybe an emerging understanding of what is the people side of this profession yes Yes, that we, we, that's true. We, we uh, were definitely brought together from the same sort of uh, perception of what change management is and how important uh, to recoup the human-centered approach in this discipline that with all the technology change that we now experience has kind of drifted towards tech change, tech transformation, but it's not really change management anymore in the traditional um, meanings that we, we give yeah. to, to it. And, and the fact that, that we had this project in Italy that was so uh, challenging, fascinating for an important organization was, was really the element also that helped us. It's a, a, a catalyst element. So you, yeah. you, you had a, we had a catalyst situation where that helped the reaction to function yeah if nice we didn't one. have that mm. if we didn't have that the reaction the connection wouldn't happen so the the, the project itself was the cat was the catalyst and bronte uh, was the, for me the the reagent the element that helped me connecting with you yeah so um yeah and i think it's important to say at this point too there was nothing certain about that job so we hadn't actually been recruited we weren't at the level of being inducted we all four of us were not in the same organization we were um you and i were working in, and even jules in sort of piecemeal work uh we weren't in normal regular jobs and part of that even had an aspect for me and that i felt i was lacking being part of a team and having colleagues whereas many other people who who had consistency of work particularly as we're talking about mid 2020 in the pandemic when lots of support was needed they had a kind of support network and a, and a work sense and i know for myself one of the reasons why i wanted the regular connection and even suggested, hey, why don't we get do some regular catch-ups, which we think originally planned it sort of monthly every three weeks. And we thought it'd only be sort of an hour conversation and they'd end up blowing up to be two and a half hours sometimes. We just got into the the spirit of sharing and talking in very open ways that I suspect even people who are in, were a team inside of an organisation would have been envious of. Yeah, there are different elements, of course, that play. So we, we can't, of course, we it's in the human nature to oversimplify in order to manage things because otherwise it become too difficult to represent the reality. Uh, and, and so we tend to, to simplify, narrow down, to take control of the situation. But there are many variables that play, play the game, a role in what we, uh, in what we achieved. Because in the end, we achieved something, which has been the, the relationship. Something we didn't plan to achieve. Absolutely not. And there was the, the, the intellectual part that was the interest, which still was personal. What I want to say is that the, the project was this something that was out there and was visible to all of us, like an objective. It's, it's, it's objective, it was there. So yeah. no one can say it was not. But everyone was looking at the project from their personal perspective. And everyone of us saw in that particular project some elements that were nurturing uh, our personal interest and, and passion. And so that's why through personal lenses of uh, something that was objectively there, we, we find a common ground. Um, and and we, start, we start a relationship that on the project without the project in the end. So, so we started, you know, through through the process of developing the group. So through the, the not even forming, norming, storming and all the process that the group should go through in, in order to, to, to be efficient. We went through that process without not even having the project to work on in the yeah, end. Yeah. But we and also had a lot of 
without a leader, we didn't have a leader. None of us was the leader, just the four of us. None of us was signed up to working to the same organization. We had the project in common, but the project wasn't even something that we were yet committed to. So we had no kind of team objectives or team performance or KPIs or anything that we had to be working on. Yet there was something very organic about the way we came together as a team. And for me, there was a sense of maybe that we showed up because the word team was in the mix, we showed up as if, hey, I'm ready to be a teammate. None of these things have officially happened yet, but what if we were a teammate? And maybe it it was kind of arbitrary, but not arbitrary. And I think maybe it gave us a baseline of instead of thinking, oh, well, here's some people who kind of know each other and maybe a couple who are strangers to each other. You know, well, what's the point of getting together? But something about, well, hey, we're going to be the dream team. And and even we did even remember, I remember saying at the time, so if this recruitment and this project thing didn't come through, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we were still the dream team working somewhere else? Yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. When when the, um, with COVID and uh, possibility uh, of uh, re- realise our plan to, to work on this project faded, uh, we we quickly shifted the, our our attentions. Okay, no worries. There will be another project to work on. Let's let's see if we can find something. But of course, geographically, we were so dispersed that that was um, kind of a big challenge to find mm. to find something to work on together. Unless it was in the end discussing our challenge that everyone was having. Mm. Uh, in an open table, in an open forum, in in their life and and work life, because for us, what I found it's really con- interconnected, and we have the maturity to understand that life and work life are not two separate things, and that's why we kept stick together uh, mm. because. You remember one day I you, I missed the, the meeting. You sent me messages. Oh, I forgot, I forgot completely. And I said oh, I missed one of the, our mind nurturing meeting because in the end that, that that's what the kind of level that what was this this is the experience in the, that in in the network I personally and and you mm. said you said it's, you're right. That means that you agreed with me. So it's it's why we were connecting together to talk about relevant things that that happen in our life and in our working life. Yeah. I think, too, we got to put out stories about some things that we might be currently working on or some challenges we currently had because we were have all come to the field of change management from different backgrounds and different career paths and different opportunities. And so there was a lot of sharing of stories or moments or activities And both from, as you said, a reflection, but even a bit philosophical, like, well, what would we have done differently? Or what does that say about the profession? Or what does that say about ourselves? We weren't just thinking about it and also that happened. There was as in something of the past. We were talking about it in the present as in almost an emergent exploration. Is that something we would want to change in the future? And so, yes, there was an element that there was a personal connection with each of us but I think what might surprise people is that while we weren't inside an organization with an organizational remit or an organizational agenda we were organically thinking how would we want to shift our practice and as if we were a small collective or a microcosm of what we would want to do and not even because we were a member of a particular organization even though uh, Jules Bronte and I had previously had roles as volunteers in a professional association associated with this field there was something particularly kind of maybe surprising for people who might think well what was the point Why, why were you doing that so what, would, what was the point, Vincenzo? Why were we doing it? Well, the, the point the point was, um, and, and I'll go back to what I um, mentioned before, it's a personal point. And the personal point is that there was a, um, a high level of meaningfulness and purpose in, in my personal journey to explore the, the, the profession and explore the discipline because... Uh, as you pointed out before, every each one of us ca- came from a different background, and in the end, 
everyone had, had, had a very uh, singular experience uh, with, with that we changed management, but we kind of agreed on the mentors. We agreed on what this profession was not and what instead it should be. And we were so excited to work together because this way we could stick together and create a critical mass to, <laughs> to make the point. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. But yeah, that's so. That was another driver. That was. It, a- it was a bit like finding a new tribe, wasn't it? That yeah. I think that we'd been out in the wilderness, you know, maybe feeling frustrated with certain things, thinking, "Are there other people who are asking these questions or wanting to explore, or who who had this level of growth mindset?" Which is a phrase that gets thrown around a lot. But I really felt like we were four people with a strong growth mindset. Yet there was something quite precious about the diversity that we brought to it, both from our cultural backgrounds, our professional backgrounds, and even where we were in the conversation. Like I I was a person who was running my own business. Bronte's a person who was an employee inside of an organization. Jules was a bit of a hybrid and a contractor. And yourself, you know, between jobs while you were figuring out what the next transition would be. Yeah, exactly, and and it it, it played. Um, I think uh, in in between jobs because it, it, I, we started when I was on a previous job, then in in Melbourne, and COVID struck, things became difficult, and I could see that things were difficult. In the end, I was planning to move to another state, so things were changing for me. It was a transitional period anyway, and it all be. It, there's always been a transition but that particular moment was even more complex and and the group helped me a lot in in clarify my mind and it put some perspective and and clear my mind of what I really wanted for me in the future and mm-hmm. how to be able to present myself how to be able to be more confident in presenting my point of view and and saying things that normally I would be little bit shy in saying because I, I know that not many people believe the same things or same interpretation of the reality but having you guys like people that were following the same mindset so gave, gave me structure gave me robustness and in confidence in, in speaks out and say no mate this is the way it should be this is the why, and the way, and and I nailed an, an interview with with a very high level organization that I, I I'm still thinking, I don't know, I nailed it. So it was it was a really great experience, and if I didn't have that previous kind of training with you during the month, of course I'm talking about now training with the insight because when we were doing that, yeah. I was not even even thinking that I was practicing my ideas and yeah. my freedom of express my ideas the way I did during the interview and the process of the interview was successful and I'm working for this organization which I was kind of really hoping and dreaming to work for since I was in Italy 20 years ago. Yeah there's something in there I think about you use the word training I think all of us were learning in a peer-to-peer way and and sometimes people think oh the way you learn is you go on a course and there's a trainer who has knowledge and I look and think we were four people who have been on many different training things but the learning and to part of the point you were saying before is we were all getting something different out of it but I also think we didn't come in with a knowing idea. Oh, I need to know this. Uh, Vincenzo knows that. He'll teach me something about it. It was a case of these conversations. It's like we'd throw out a question or an idea or just update and share what was going and then we'd organically flow from that and somebody might know a model that connected to that or there might have been a video that somebody saw and there was a kind of very organic emergent nature of the learning but learning was happening and the sharing of ideas and the pushing of ideas and the challenging and questioning of ideas and I kind of feel like it's probably what people think oh that's what's supposed to happen in a tutorial group at university and and for me this was like I never had a tutorial group like this at university if I had boy I would have loved my university experience even more yeah yeah well definitely I used the word training without thinking but uh, probably referring to the training because I was thinking to the actual muscular exercise because I felt the build-up 
I felt it built up, of course, of the, at the brain level. But uh, that that this is that's why that's why I'm using training to to to, to express this powerful experience of growth that I psychologically, mentally, uh, I, I experienced. And of course, was practicing in the end, yeah. was coaching in the end, was uh, playing back in the end ideas and don't, don't be, be able to, to be in a safe place. Yeah. That be vulnerable was not out of the, was normal. Uh, we were, we, we came together to be vulnerable and how yeah. many times we said that and, and we did it. And sometimes we shared some really personal stories and experiences that we had that, to your point about safe and vulnerability, there'd be very few people professionally I would have felt I could be in that environment to share about. And one of the things I do recognize that while you and I didn't know each other, I had had some very uh, open, vulnerable moments with Jules, for example, one of our group, in that there'd been a couple of times when I'd visited him in Sydney, I'm in Melbourne, and we'd had very long conversations that roved from professional stuff to personal stuff to belief stuff. And I'd had a couple of those with Bronte. And I think you'd had some those deeper conversations yeah. with Bronte. So while we weren't all equally knowing each other the same, I suspect there's something about the fact that because some intimacy or vulnerability had happened in conversation between some of us, that gave us a good foundation when all of us came together. Yeah, it is real. So we struck a level of confidence between each other in two hours, <laughs> that which is kind of Stunning. surprising. But yeah. the fact that we both of us had deep experience with some of the member that they were still, well, strongly connected between each other helped us to break that barriers of, of being uncomfortable in sharing and when we went straight to okay I'm, I'm, I feel comfortable I can share everything because I know Bronte and yeah. I trust Bronte and if Bronte brought me here means that I can trust Ellen and I can trust June. Yeah. yeah and I think there's definitely something in that aspect of they talk about it in psychology as like social proof that there was a sense like if Bronte is when we hold Bronte in high regard and I think each of us probably held each other in a kind of high regard if these people brought these like people together there's something here it's something kind of a bit special and different than oh we just grabbed anybody off the sidewalk yeah yeah I agree I agree with you and uh it was a kind of a revealing experience and uh Coming back to what I mentioned at the beginning, there was an element of uh, a catalyst, but in the end, there was also an element that helped the reaction, the uh, reagent, an, an extra element that helped things happen. And in this case, was for, for, for us, it was Bronte that brought us all, to, all together. One of the lessons that I take away from it that feels quite powerful is you used the word achieved. I think we achieved something, but what I love about it is I don't know that we could all easily articulate what was achieved. We just have a sense of something was achieved and we did not enter the conversation or the relationship or the the regularity of the catch-ups with an intention to achieve anything. Yes. Yes, we were not aiming to physical outcome (laughs) anymore. And what we in the end have achieved is our relationship. So, And the fact that I know that... uh, I can trust you like I can trust Bronte and whatever happened, if there are opportunities, I will always think of you like I will think of Bronte mm-hmm. and an opportunity might come across again. Yeah. And this brings me to, to, to another element that probably helped us to strike the connection that, that we have is the fact that we are all really open and in challenging ourselves and be really open and curious in doing new things. If you think about it, we were ready to pack our luggage and fly back to Italy for me. Yeah, and, yeah. and then take our partners that, with us on short notice. I remember yeah. when Bronte first reached out and said, hey, do you know somebody who might be interested in this opportunity? And I'm like, I'm not telling anybody else. <laughs> I'm interested. When can I come? Exactly. So it's not a, you know, moving from one town to another. It's just a, it's an international move yeah. that you, you need to, to make and family and everything. So, but we were so, that, that's the trait of the personality probably, which is goes beyond the interest. So there is a trait of personality that also matter. Maybe and it's something about risk. 
there was a kind of point where we were willing to risk. Yeah. There's, a, there's a quote that I remember reading when I was 12 that has always stuck with me. Uh, it goes something along the lines of always be ready at any moment to give up who you are for who you can become. Wow, that's powerful. Yeah, I like it. I like and, it. And I kind of feel like all of us were like, okay, we may by some measures of success have achieved different things that people think, oh, well, you know, you guys can rest. You've done well. But for us, it was like, you know, where is the next thing or the next adventure? You know, something got presented and we were all ready to jump. And maybe there was something about that, whether it's, you know, you hear the phrase lean into something. I'm like, I don't think the four of us were ready to lean in. We were jolly ready to jump at an opportunity. And so yeah. I think, as you say, maybe there's something in a personality trait, which is, if people are listening, they might be like, oh, I could never be like Helen or Vincenzo and jump. I think, well, is there a moment where you could lean into something? What's the level of risk you feel comfortable in taking and leaning in? Yes, exactly. In the end, it's a personal choice. And being curious doesn't mean necessarily that you need to take a risk. Being curious is the ability to don't preclude yourself in the interest in things or in the side others for you. So you'd be on the drive seat uh, if you open that door, trying to listen to the conversation. Maybe you will be interested and you have something to say. Be strong and say it. Don't be shy. So in this way, you will, you will become more comfortable. It's something that can be perceived as a risky exercise. All of a sudden, become that's an easy step to take because you feel more in control because you you're comfortable, mm. you know what, what what we're talking about, and you can act on it. So sometimes what, what I'm saying is that the challenge level of things change according to our hesitancy to listen and explore. Uh, if we explore, listen, and learn, and, and then trying to understand if it's something that we might do, we might like, the risk level drop. And things happen. There's another great quote that I like. It was from a J.R. Tolkien poem. And it's something like, not all that glitters is gold and not all who wander are lost. And I think there's times in my profession where I've been wandering, wandering and wandering <laughs> with my, my English accent there. And I think sometimes people thought, oh, Helen, you're lost. Let me jump in and help you. And I think there was something particularly about our group that maybe we could all hold a level of wandering with each other without a sense of, oh, you're a problem or there's a problem. I'm going to jump in and help you or coach you or, you know, my yeah. mentoring part wanted to kick in here and help each other out. Yeah, exactly. So there was the that this element of um, uh, organic, the, the organicity that, that you also mentioned before, yeah. that was like a, a, a biological element. We came together and we kind of uh, were offsetting each other when needed without actually intervening on each other so mm -hmm. and we've been taking inspiration and, and taking not lesson but taking uh strength from the other the words of the other and and bringing our personal life create our comfort zone again and, and it wasn't natural it was mm -hmm. it wasn't as you said before i didn't say to you oh, i need any help it's just uh, I know what you should do. Uh, I think you should do this. I, know, I think you should uh, uh, don't let anyone treat you this way. What we are saying is that, listen, if you need, we're here. I'm here. Just I feel you. I hear you. You're going through this. If you need more support, let me know. Yeah. Yeah. I reckon it's been a really special moment in my life that this group came together. And I've been reflecting could it happen again? And in fact, even do I want it to happen again? I'm not sure whether it's it was just a particular thing at a moment in time. So as we come to a close, I'm wondering, is there some tips? We might not be able to recreate it for ourselves, but is there some tips that we might suggest for people listening? If they were thinking, I'd like what they're having, you know, is there a way that I could have a group that has that kind of uh, getting together? I think there's some things we've probably that we could summarize that we've already talked about. Yeah, I believe that it's important to stay curious, to stay true to yourself. 
not don't do anything because it's the right things to do. Do things because you feel it's right to do that things. It feels that it's you that that you want to do that. Not don't be driven by social codes in doing things, and especially at the professional level and, and, and interacting with other professional people like you. Be true to yourself, express yourself, be curious. And you will kind of attract the right people around you. This, uh, this is what I, my lesson learned would be. Yeah. Would be. I think um, another one is to that point about trust is that don't try to come together. First of all, I think four was a great number. I wouldn't go for three. I wouldn't go for five. I think four was a great number. And if you were looking to recreate a kind of cell group like thing, not that I'm suggesting terrorist organizations here, but a kind of cell for go for four, but consider bringing somebody with whom you already have a close relationship to that just a, and that i think there's probably something powerful about the fact that i did have that connection with jules you did have that connection yeah. with bronte and yeah. then that gave us a good basis for particularly even expediting things more quickly because sure people could get together on a, and we were getting together sometimes it was four weeks sometimes yeah. it was three weeks for sort of an yeah. hour conversation in the evening that if we could have maybe built the level of rapport over a year that we maybe achieved in three months um, and just in a couple of calls. So yeah, that would be a key tip is that bring somebody that you already have some kind of close relationship if you were going to into the group so that you can leverage off that trust with each other. Yeah, yeah. This also makes me think that now just uh, uh, on a different level, uh, why sometimes uh, working group fail because they are artificially uh, brought together and with people, diverse people, with all due respect, diversity is important, but if there is no trust, at least between some of the elements in, in the group that are recognized by others or connected by others, mm. uh, with others, it's most likely that the working group is, will not be so productive or efficient or whatever, yeah. uh, it will not achieve what yeah. um, what is the intent of come together or put them together. Which I think, and it's on that basis of trust, something then for me that's about kind of showing up. Like, don't just think, oh, somebody else is going to lead this, I'll sit back. And that's not to say that I think all of us in the group always felt we needed to be talking. We kind of found our own rhythm and there's something about leaning in listening to what's going on and leaning in in terms of sharing and there was a lovely kind of cadence that we found without needing somebody to say hey we need to find a cadence what's our cadence going to be yeah no no exactly actually it was really natural sometimes uh, was triggered by the expression that some of us came up on the camera that was visibly uh, frustrated so I said what's going on so and, and it started like that not because yeah. we had a you know some backlog of user story that we had to you know uh, go through and and mm -hmm. say what we've done what we had done what worked well what didn't work well and that was just natural say so yeah. that what didn't look like yeah not right so yeah. what happened yeah. And I think that leads to another part too, when you talk about the stories, we told stories about each other. So it's not like we were focused on, oh, there's a task. We've got to get back to the task. This conversation over here is a bit theoretical or a bit philosophical or we're getting off track. I think there was a sense where there was nothing that was off track. Everything was open. And I, while we didn't necessarily have a task that we were focused on doing, I think there was just something lovely about this is what I would consider was kind of team development time. Whereas other people might think, no, 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 that's a waste of time. You know, you're just sitting around talking. But I think it was building rapport. It was understanding what was important. And, and out of that, there were moments where it did cross over into maybe giving advice where somebody would come to the session and go, hey, I've got this thing going on at work right now. And so then it did switch to sometimes being a task focus. But I think it was important there that we had the opportunity to share about our own stories and our own background and our own tough moments that maybe we could come with a bit more compassion and empathy when we were dealing with things together. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree with you. And I was thinking also the fact that we, if we, if we even if we not necessarily can be reconducted to a, a single organization because we were not working in a single organization, it's all about perspective because if you think about the world as a big organization, we are members of the same organization. Yeah, so yeah. 
Yeah. And then for me, that's something that I have as a dream that when people think about networking, they tend to think individual to individual or they think group to group, but the group to groups usually seen as in an organizational context because we're already a member of a group or we're made a member of a working party or there's a team. And I think there was something special about what we were doing and that we were a group slash team but not in an organizational context. And I kind of think, what if the world just changes? And I mean, that in some ways is what terrorist organizations, which aren't actually, you know, this traditional idea of organizations, they are individual nodes of small groups of people who get together and do their stuff independently. Um, yeah, but not those I'm saying, don't want to condone terrorism. There's something interesting in that social architecture of people coming together and being able to operate with greater autonomy with others. And and I think one of the things that I take away from our experience is we were learning and playing with what that kind of social architecture mean is without an organizational remit. Yes, yes, exactly. And in the end, we're ready to, we have developed, this is what we have now, we have now and no one I think can, can change it. So the, what we achieve is that our network is strong. We, we're ready to go. We just, yeah. if a challenge will be thrown to us and, and, and we will take it, we will ready to be active and work as an active network. Yeah, so, yeah. And this has taken a journey. Yeah, to, yeah. And I feel like even though that we might not have got to that opportunity right now, and we did, I remember we did jokingly say it on one of the things, like rather than actively going and looking for an opportunity, we'll just declare to the universe, our dream team is formed. Does the universe have an offering to bring to us? And, and who knows? I, I'm really open to the possibility, as you mentioned earlier. It could be that one of us uh, or peers of us hook up and work in a team in an organization, but it just kind of feels like that'd be such an easy kind of entree because like I know you I trust you and know what you're thinking I might not necessarily know all the details about your skills but there's something about that kind of like yeah I want you on my team and the, whether it's the you know there's almost like if the apocalypse happens I absolutely want you on my team Vincenzo yeah. <laughs> exactly and likewise Ellen. Yeah. likewise that's definitely point taken yeah thank you for a wonderful conversation Thank you to you, Ellen. Thank you very much. It has been lovely talking to you. Some time passed, and then I had an opportunity to catch up with Bronte. Today, it's my pleasure to be speaking with my very good friend, Bronte Jackson. And we're here to talk about something that we had been doing together with a few other people in the past two years during the pandemic. And we were calling it the Dream Team. I'd like to invite Bronte to start her reflections and sharing on what she thought we were doing and what it meant to her. Hi, Bronte. Hi, Helen. Thank you very much. For me, I found our times together, which were a couple of hours every fortnight, I think, which is a substantial amount of time to spend together on something that's not the project steering committee or uh, uh, something you're being paid to do. For me, the key value was being with like-minded individuals without an agenda. We probably should mention uh, the fact that you were in a different country than some yes. of the others on the call. And for us, we were doing this at the end of our workday and you were doing this at the beginning of your workday. That's it. Yes, yes. Good point. Yeah, so for, for me, it was being with like-minded individuals without an agenda, which completely changes the dynamic, I think, when you're together as professionals, because it's rare. No, I, I know that Vincenzo mentioned this too. Normally, you're together as professionals in some kind of professional meeting or group or paid situation and because we came together voluntarily with no end objective or guaranteed deliverable at the end of coming together we just came together to just kind of see what happened for me I just found it incredibly supportive and rewarding being with other like-minded individuals in that capacity because it really fed me because for the first time I didn't have to deliver anything. I didn't have to perform. I wasn't being judged by what I said. I didn't have to watch out for what I said. I didn't have to be seen to support a particular agenda or not. It was really incredibly freeing just being able to 
to talk about what we thought about different aspects of our profession in terms of the tools and the methodologies and the mindsets and and sharing some of the experiences that we've been through as in our professional capacity. It was incredibly relieving to be able to use expletives uh, whenever we needed to, Mm. uh, to describe that something was really a crock of bulldust, you know, and to also challenge some of the reigning mental mindsets about our profession and what and what it should be or is or or isn't and it was really heartening to find others actually shared that and I think part of it too was our level of maturity and experience seniority in the profession if you like all of us are at an age whereby we're kind of some of the first people to have been involved in this profession. When you and I went to university, you couldn't do a degree called organisational development or change management or any of those things. So, you know, I came through with a social science degree and all four of us were in our profession and kind of developing our own tools and methodologies long before ProSci PCI came along, which meant that we're a little bit alone in this day and age because we we rarely get to be with others that are at the same level, which means that we're usually coaching, mentoring or imparting our wisdom in some way when we get together with other change professionals. Or if we are with people at our level, we're often in a competitive environment mm. or where we're having to establish our credibility for future work or professions or whatever. So it was great to be able to be really vulnerable and actually be fed by each other. What I found really nurturing was that, as you'd said and as Vincenzo had said, we kind of came from slightly different areas. We all had our own key skills or areas of experience and they were complementary. Learn quite a lot from each other and be nurtured because we could kind of talk about really honestly our challenges in our profession and our our questions uh, around different tools, methodologies, mental mindsets and receive input from others who had enough experience to be able to really fill in gaps and have a very rich conversation instead of feeling like like I know that we often said that we, we have the same conversations over and over again with others who are not as experienced because it is an emerging profession and we're working it out together in lots of ways. But sometimes these conversations are a little bit repetitive. You know, how does a change manager work with a project manager? What's the difference between this tool and that tool? And so to have conversations with each other at our more experienced level, we were able to really challenge each other's philosophy and thinking, test things out and gain input in order to continue to develop our own mental mind maps. And the other thing, lastly, on that subject I'll say is that most change managers will often be the only change manager on their project, at their work, or they'll be the only senior one. You know, I've never worked in a company or an organisation or on a project where there's been three or four of me. It's been me and, you know, maybe a, a team of more juniors. But other professions, if you're an accountant or a lawyer, you work in a company with other accountants, other lawyers, or you'll be in an organisation where there's three or four senior accountants, senior lawyers, Whereas change managers, we're often on our own. We have to manage up. We have to manage vertically with all of the other kind of key technical leads and we have to manage down. And then, as I said, when we're together in a professional or or social environment for change managers, you're still kind of on show. You're still, there's still a professional element there, maybe sometimes competitive or mentoring and coaching. So we don't get to be with our tribe that often. Mm. And it's, it's really important for that. It's interesting um, you say that our tribe, because for me there was an element where 
we were getting to know each other. We, we knew each other in different ways, but it's, it, sometimes it almost felt like it was maybe group therapy in the sense <laughs> if we were telling stories about things that we'd experienced, which might have been illustrating a point of our frustration with the profession. But I think there was a level of trust and safety in our conversations where we got mm. to work through some of those old stories and maybe reframe mm. them and settle some things for us in terms of even just recognizing that there had been maybe scar tissue or things that maybe were framing how we currently think about things and not to say that it was like healing needed to happen but I think there was something just recognizing stuff like that happens mm. and mm. it's not like you need to go to a therapist but at the same time, where would you have that in a professional context, that kind of mm-hmm. safety to say, hey, this happened to me and I'm not quite sure what sense to make of it, whether, you know, should I have responded this way to it? Should I have responded that way? And it seemed it was like we got to sort of play mm-hmm. out some scenarios. Like if I did this again, this is what I would yeah. do. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that's the other thing we're missing as change managers as well because we are deeply embedded in the people side of things and so we come up against emotions and conflict and people people management you know constantly and we're often on the the difficult and challenging side of people's behavior when it comes to change both the people that hire us our managers and also the people who are helping co-design the change so it really makes sense that we need to have that kind of emotional support ourselves to debrief and we don't have that really as part of our profession and it's not often talked about either Mm. because as we've talked about before often the people that hire us don't understand how much it's about people and Mm. not about tools and technology and the the other things the processes so yes I really felt that was so helpful to be able to talk about different scenarios And as you say, all of us had worked through those scenarios and had been able to describe what we'd done, how we dealt with it and had moved on from it. But there was still value in voicing it because often we hadn't been able to voice it as a full case study, as in this is what happened, this is how Mm -hmm. I dealt with and this is how I feel like now. And I remember our reactions were interesting because, you know, sometimes we just needed to listen to each other and go, yep, yep, that was a total crap situation and no one could have won, so well done. But also there were other very practical kind of tools and tips that we got from each other about, wow, well, this is is what I did in my situation and what you could maybe do next time. And there was actually quite a lot of learning and reflection and also validation to go forward I always felt incredibly validated after our sessions a little bit strengthened like my loins had been girded for the next you know situation I was to go into Mm. I think there's something in that you mentioned learning and often people think oh learning you need to go on a training course and I think it's just being in a space where micro kind of learning can happen and self-directed learning and it's not like we came in thinking oh we're coming to a session somebody's going to be teaching this kind of sharing's going on it was more there was an emergent nature like oh, I didn't know I was going to learn that or I didn't know that maybe there was a need to learn that right now mm. you know I'm walking yeah. away thinking oh that's something I hadn't thought about and I've now added to my repertoire of what I was doing and very much had that peer-to-peer sense and, and, yeah. and tied to that was a sense from a peer. It's like we aren't necessarily meeting as regularly together now in the current year, but because we did that learning together and that trust building, I know I could call any of you and within mm. like 30 seconds we could skip straight past the how are you and what are you doing? And it's like, this is what's going on in my life right now. And it's like, I'm here for you. You know, we could just, yeah. we've got that level of, kind of rapport with each other we can go straight into a deep dive without needing to warm up and that's something that I would encourage as people are listening to this Mm. that some of the value you could say was strategic in what we were doing yes yes, we absolutely got something out of it in the calls that were happening but I feel like I've created this tribe of people and shored it up for some future point where I might draw mm-hmm. upon it. And we, we joked with each other about, well, now that we've got this kind of rapport and almost team-like quality, maybe the universe could hire us all together on a job. 
what are we going to yeah. do with this? We've we found our, our yeah. tribe or our, our rhythm and it's like, wouldn't we be, we'd be fabulous all working together on something. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I remember just to your point about learning, sometimes we, we came up with, it, it just kind of emerged that in this particular session or two, we were designing what we thought was some of the key mental attitudes or emotional components of being a successful change manager. You know, there were some really practical things that we got out of it that, you know, that we were able to kind of codify, which was fantastic, but it didn't come from an agenda. And what I loved was that we didn't have an agenda or a purpose. Every time we met, the only thing that we were going to do is just show up. Yeah. Yeah. So we knew we were going to show up. And as you said, it was emergent, you know, and sometimes one of us would take the whole time forward with an issue or a case study. Other times it was more evenly spread, but we never knew, but it Mm. was always very rich and fulfilling Mm. because we just committed to showing up and, and sharing. And I think at, you know, as a change manager, you always have loads of questions and things you want to talk to each other about anyway. And if you're a, an experienced change manager, you, you you know you have a wealth of years to draw on as well. So I don't think you need to be afraid about not having an agenda. And I actually think that's such a key space that we created for each other to not have an agenda and mm. uh, not have deliverables. And I actually have now one other group also international, we meet virtually, of change managers within similar global organisations to what I work in. And we do exactly the same thing. And we've been meeting for a year and after a year someone said, well, do you think we should have like a a program of things we're going to discuss this year and maybe we could invite others? And and we're all like, no, (laughs) we we're doing quite well with no agenda. We, it's not a waste of time. We, we're mm. really learning a lot from each other just by showing up yeah. and having as the agenda that we are change people who want to talk about change. Yeah. And I think sometimes an agenda is a proxy for we'll allocate this amount of time for this, this amount of time for that. And to your point, you know, sometimes one person it might have had the whole time in terms of what they were going on. And there was no sense of like, well, that's not equal or we need to write the balance or no, 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 you need to be quiet now because we're passing over to the other person. So I think there's something particularly special in that sense of it's like it was what it was. It was what it needed to be. And we could all be present and showing up in that moment of like, if that's what you need, well, then, Mm -hmm. you know, there was a a, a very adult sense of sort of self-regulating. And I think... Mm -hmm. There's an mm. element where people listening to this might have heard of notions about self-organizing teams or self-regulating. Mm. And I would encourage people to think about, well, maybe that's not happening in my workplace, but maybe if mm. I made my own little group like this, it gives me a little forum to practice that with some people. Yep. To, to, because I think there's something really important and you've got to be there in the moment and with people yep. to kind of feel, what is this kind of self-regulation thing like? What Do I speak up yes. about when I need something? Do I, <clears throat> do I go quiet? Do I listen? Am I present? You can't really teach that. You've just got to yep. be there and feel your way through it. Exactly, Helen. And so much of our work life and other outside of work life is regulated by agenda and objectives and things that we have to deliver that it's very, very difficult to allow yourself to have that space without that when you're not, you know, lying down, reading a book or watching Netflix or something, but to actually have a space where you come together as adult professionals without an agenda and deliverable Mm -hmm. is we're not trained to do that and it can be really hard and uncomfortable and yet it's a key tool in a change manager's toolbox to be able to allow emergent Mm -hmm. conversations and to allow people that own what they're going through to have agency and to talk about it. So I think your point is really valid to be able to practice that in a safe space and Mm. to see how self-regulation and self-organising and chaos theory actually works and then be able to have the experience and the tools or the kind of narrative around that to be able to explain what that is and how it works and to help others through it is really, really valuable. 
And even if somebody isn't a change management professional or doing something corporate like what we're talking about here, I think there's still value for any workplace or team of mm. people about mm. <clears throat> what is it in a world where we're asked to maybe take more initiative or sh- the organization wants more engagement or they want us to mm. be more innovative. I think any profession or any workscape or team could still get value from something like this. For us, there was definitely that other level of it actually speaks directly to a style and a skill that we would use as professionals. Mm. However, I think anybody, it's a 21st Mm. century skill and style for dealing with ambiguity and uncertainty in the workscape. Yeah, exactly. And also dealing with silences. And this is where we get into different cultures. You know, as you mentioned, I work in a global organisation and our more Anglo-Saxon-based cultures are not comfortable with silence. Neither are the Latin cultures, can I say, that I work in. But there are many other cultures where silence is a really important tool. And I think that also this is where you get into different personality types, introverts, extroverts. Introverts feel much more comfortable with silence and, and don't need to fill it in. And there are not as many of us in the workplace as there are in the world as there are extroverts. So it's that, that's a difficult kind of thing for most people. But it's, it's so important and vital to conversations to be able to have silences where people can reflect and others that are quieter are given that millisecond of space to jump in. And I think these emergent conversations are more naturally lean themselves to spaces and pauses rather than the more agenda, objective-oriented conversations because people Mm. are always worried about, you know, well, well, we've spent enough time on that. You know, the the next, it's time for the next agenda, uh, whether, whether people have arrived there or not. So if somebody came along and said, Bronte, I'll have what you're having. This little thing that you had going, what would be your advice to them to maybe uh, get a little group or a little cell group like we had? Mm. Well, I'll talk about it within a work context. I would think about the three people, you know, because I think four worked really well for us. It's not it's not a magic number. It can be three, it can be six, doesn't matter. But uh, interestingly enough, the other group I have is four as well. I would think about the three people who you most enjoy having coffee with and and never have enough time at the end of coffee. You're always gagging for some more time together and wishing you could deep dive into more meaty things. I would think about those three people. As you said at the beginning with Vincenzo, they don't have to know each other. They don't have to work in the same profession or the same area But I think a key reason why all four of us got on was because you were all close friends of, well, two of you were close friends of mine and and Jules was a close friend of yours. So by definition, we've all got a similar kind of mental model and mind maps or, or at least overlapping ones. So that's what you need to look out for as well. People that you know will get on in in general. Um, I'm just thinking of how the world is now divided into pro and anti-vaccine people. So probably if if you're on either side of that particular fence, you, you're not going to have a similar mental mind map. So it's just as an example. And just set it up and see how it goes and have no, no objective and no agenda except to just come together, spend time together and talk about change and see where it goes Hmm. and lastly I just wanted to say or if this is our last little area um you know I really I loved how you said also right at the beginning when we're all getting together that it's kind of like if you build it they will come you know we were hoping that that if we created this team together um energetically that an opportunity would come if you need an objective or a goal then maybe use that you know are these three people who you would love to work with on an amazing project you know would that just be something that makes your heart sing that is also a way forward and I think even though we haven't had that opportunity yet as a team 
I feel like we did, we have had the opportunity to work in inverted commas together on a project which was just us and Mm. our relationships and our knowledge building and growth. So in a way we, we did have that. But I think that it's a way of of looking at it because, like you said, I initially thought of you three as joining a team with me to work on something and now I'm absolutely sure that would be fantastic. So any time I have that opportunity in the future that you three will be the first three that I think of. So that's also a really good outcome, I think, for people to think about. And I think even if it wasn't explicitly us, it's kind of created a mental model of I know how it could work in a team like this. I know yeah. how these things could yeah. gel. So I, we can kind of hold that as a like, I want that again. So yeah. whether we could necessarily yeah. be really clear about the ingredients that made it up, it's like we've got this possibility and hope in our mind from a real yeah. thing, not an aspirational thing. Of It is possible. I know yeah. what it's like to have that. And so yeah. I could, I want that again. And yes. that's for me, I, I hold that as a, yes. a very real possibility with a very groundedness of I've had it and I want more of it. Thank you very much. Which I think actually we take back to the organizations that we are in and they don't know, but they're getting the benefit of this way yeah. of us being and seeing um, and, uh-huh. and ways that might not be specific. I mean, sometimes it was a case like we maybe helped each other clear an obstacle of something we were doing yeah. with work. And you're like, yeah. you're like, well, could we have submitted the bill to them? Cause they actually got some value, <laughs> but it's like this, this other kind of nebulous value that I think sometimes people are like, but it wasn't clear that at the beginning we were going to get that. So why would we do it? And that speaks, I think, to that emergent, just show up, see, trust that something may Mm. happen from it, but you don't actually have to get a quote return on investment. Just trust it's a worthwhile investment in yourself and the others that you're with. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Good summary, Helen. Thanks. Oh, on that thought, Bronte, thank you so much for participating in this conversation. And as a nice add on of getting Vincenzo's point of view, and I'm looking forward to when we go off here and continue our own deep dive. Thanks again, Helen. Workscapes are changing everywhere. For more goodness to change your workscape, visit www.beselfunlimited.com.au.